This episode is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now. Unless it's Overcast. Get Overcast for free on the App Store. This is Ajima Show, and this is your co-host, Unji Kim. This is a solo episode. Peter is off doing incredible things, and busy. So um, this is going to be a solo one for me and you listeners today. Um, we're going to kick things off. Uh, ugh, my voice and, you know, if you're a, 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 a mom or a parent living through the pandemic and having to deal with just regular non-COVID stuff, let me tell you, it is a brutal, um, as I am, uh, still in my cold garden unit um, in the basement. Uh, heat's still not working. Uh, thankfully, the weather is starting to improve. So, you know, you can see the icy patches before you slip and fall um, versus just the black ice and it being a surprise. Um, I'm going to start things off with, uh, as we usually do, with a kick-ass Korean. Kia! This week, my kick-ass Koreans are the Garlic Girls. If you guys are following the Winter Olympics, um, they, in 2018, came out and South Korea, South Korea's curling team, women's curling team in 2018 catapulted. You know, South Korea didn't have a, like really a curling presence. <laughs> it's not really a thing um, in South Korea or anywhere outside of, I think, the Nordic countries in Canada. Uh, and they got our country, South Korea's first medal in the sport in 2018. They got a silver. And after winning, there was sort of like a Cinderella, you know, cool runnings vibe to their ascent to the medal, to the podium. And after winning, there was a big controversy because they had a press conference where they basically talked about the abuse that they had endured from their coach and the IOC system in Korea. They talked about how they had had to endure... Uh, verbal abuse, a lot of um, condescension because they are from a part of Korea, a shigort, like a countryside, small town. So why they're called the garlic, garlic girls because they're from a small town that produces mostly garlic. And they air their grievances and who is uh, one of whom are, was the, is the father of one of the co coaches and also the vice president of the curling federation in Korea. Uh, they banned them from using social media, withheld their prize money. They also tried to like shame one of the, the team captain because she had started to, she wanted to start a family. And, you know, at the time there was a, there was a great deal of shame and outrage because so much about the South Korean hierarchy is patriarchal 
there's so much of it that you're not supposed to question someone who is older. And these girls stepped up and were willing to advocate for themselves. And it's not like they, it's just a sense of self-worth that they intuited. And they were like, this is fucked up. And they stepped up and said, no. And that's like, you know, if you think about doing something like that in your normal life, that in and of itself feels crazy because you can't even sometimes do that to people that you're not afraid of, you know, to advocate for yourself. And these girls, because they had each other, were able to find the strength to do it. And they wound up getting a coach, a Canadian coach, who helped them and is now the current coach. And they're back at the Olympics, having endured this media scrutiny in 2018. And they're back, you know, and they're at the Olympics to have fun. You know, even their ascent to curling, their arrival to curling, it reads like they're just friends. They're family. And they are having fun doing something that they love and not afraid. And I think something that's happening inside of sports and in our lives during this pandemic is that we've decided to reprioritize our lives. And I think there's nothing more emblematic of that than these girls talking about how they're at the Olympics having endured all that and are there to just have fun. I mean, when's the last time you heard an Olympic athlete from South Korea say something like that? So I wanted to shout out these girls. If you haven't read the New York Times article about it, it is heartwarming and exciting to read because if you're a fan of this podcast and you are a person who has grown up in an immigrant home, someone that is familiar with Asian culture, I think you will really take to heart the bravery and the chutzpah that it took for these girls to speak out. And not even girls. I mean, these are fucking women. Grown-ass women. We just to take agency. And that's my kick-ass Korean. Kia. <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay. It is Valentine's Day. And by the time this comes out, it will no longer be Valentine's Day. It'll be in the rearview mirror. We're not talking about it. All the candy will now be on sale. All your flowers will be dead. And the dinners will have been shat out. But I think that what I wanted to talk about this week is about love, but... You know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about self-love and learning to uh, love yourself and love what you do and learning to kind of unravel some of the toxic uh, behaviors around relationships and love that we've all learned 
accumulated from the culture, learn from your parents, learn from uh, abusive uh, relationships in the past. And, you know, I think this week, what I kind of, and today, what I wanted to really actually talk about is the love you have for others. It's particularly friendship and relationships and how you choose to do that. I had my last ketamine treatment last week, and there seems to be a new diagnosis arising. Um, and I have, since I was a teen, uh, been officially diagnosed as a person who has bipolar 2. And it's been something that, like, I never saw myself inside of the symptoms and the diagnosis. And even when I talk about it and people look at my file, there's always like this, well, it seems like you exhibit some things like this. But after all this ketamine stuff and really investing in my mental health, the new diagnosis that seems to be arising is that I have ADHD which is not an unusual diagnosis that uh, is coming out right now. It's very trendy, uh, just like bipolar 2 was when I was coming up. So I am on trend, and, uh, you know, I do love to be of the moment, you know. Um, love to be stylish. But it's the first time when I'm looking at the diagnosis and looking at the symptoms that I see myself, which is exciting. And... I talk about it because a lot of my behavior in the past, a lot of my attitude and a lot of my uh, shame around my behavior has resulted in um, relationships being burned. Um, and not me not always showing up as a friend. And... It's not that I am disavowing that behavior or not taking full ownership of how I behaved. But this new diagnosis puts it in a light where some of my shame around it is now different. And what I think a diagnosis can do is help you create tools and systems to help you behave in a way where you're not cruel because you're mired in a spiral of shame around your behavior that you can't seem to control. So I, in this last ketamine treatment, um, had a revelation. It was one of the most intense ketamine sessions I've had. It was the most intense ketamine session I've had. And the thing that I realized was specific to friendship. And I was really overwhelmed by how important friendship and platonic love is to all of our lives. And how difficult it is to maintain as we age. Because you have to 
create time for it. And as we age, we are constantly telling ourselves that we don't have enough of it. Time. Emotional bandwidth. And for someone who may struggle with time blindness, someone who may struggle with feelings of uh, being overwhelmed by tasks, it may feel like a daunting task. So making time for it is inc- can be very difficult. And if you love your friends, it can be even more difficult because then you start to feel shame and you start to resent yourself and then you start to resent others and then it's just resent, shame, you know, sad, you know, the classic cycle of shit. And something I was realizing inside of this trip on ketamine. Which, by the way, I... You know, I love... uh, I I like drugs. You know, like, never been anti-drugs. Never been super into psychedelics. But ketamine was, like, it it has been really um, helpful in, like, alleviating a lot of my symptoms of anxiety. And I've been talking about it on the pod. But I was thinking about horses. Because ketamine is used for horses. And, you know, I do understand now, I think, this affinity that horse girls have for horses. You know, like... There is a thing there. Um, you know, if you've ever seen a horse gallop across a plane, which I haven't, but like I've seen it, um, you know, in a movie, it is fucking majestic. And maybe that's just something I now know because I, and like the majesty I recognize and understand because I've been on ketamine. Anyways. That was, something, that was like another thing I was thinking about. So in terms of love for others, you know, I was forgiving myself and I was just thinking about my past behavior and there are 100%, 100% relationships in the past I have just fucked up and friendships that I have abandoned. Um, you know, and it's like, I think I have all this regret about it and shame about it because, you know, it's like, you know, some of these friendships were not done. I hadn't finished them. You know, it was like, it's like throwing out a full container of yogurt, you know, or a, a, a loaf of bread that still like has a week left on it. Like I didn't need to throw them away. It was just embarrassing to me that I didn't have the fortitude to finish it. So I had to just get it off the counter. I just get it out of the fridge. And all the shame I had associated with having done that, because wasting food is heinous. I think that like that shame was part of the reason why I would throw them away. And part of the reason why I don't even acknowledge it, you know, I hadn't acknowledged it until very 
recently until this past trip. Because it was like, it's fucking shameful and embarrassing to throw out a full container of yogurt. I could have used it for a sauce. I could have used it to make spongy bread, spongy, you know, cakes, a custard. But instead, I just threw it away. But this past week, I've reached out. Some of them I didn't because they're just fully DOA. And it would be psychotic to reach out and say sorry like 10 years afterwards. And at that point, it's not about them, right? That's about me feeling better, you know? So what I did shift was my own attitude about it. I forgave myself for behaving that way. I let go of that shame. And that, I think, helped me focus on the friendships I do have, on the love I do have in my life. And inside of the pandemic, inside of COVID, you know, even this podcast with Peter, like we've talked about it. These were the lifelines. You know, like did it, it was it crazy? Like, I, you know, to- toilet paper shortage? Sure. But I had enough napkins to, to carry me through if I hadn't been able to get my hands on some. Supply chain issue? Sure. But I don't really need a back scratcher. You know, that's just something I couldn't find beginning but friendship that love you know like that's the stuff that's truly making people insane not being able to touch someone not being able to look someone in the eye not being able to share a part of your life that isn't your fucking partner you know what i mean like have you ever tried to complain about your partner to your partner yeah that's that's called just being mean so The salvation I found in having friends and learning to cultivate it and be present, you know, it's not, it's not hard if you love generously. Because there are some people, and I think I've certainly, um, you know, as a younger woman went through phases where I was a emotional vampire. And I have certainly been uh, someone that has been uh, sucked upon by other emotional vampires. You know, and that's, you know, indicative of the kind of patterns of love that we all accumulate, right? I mean, I was just at a show and this very chaotic person Truly, uh, so chaotic. And I found myself being pulled into her orbit in a way that felt so familiar and so toxic. And it was just the two of us in the room where where my friends would just like, might start to look at me like, what the fuck is happening? We gotta go. And I was just, you know, and it used to happen all the time when I would just abandon people and get mired in these sort of strange you know, um, relationships that would last for a, a couple months and, and then spit me out, you know. You know, the Twitter, the Twitter swindler, like, I've been swindled. 
I will believe in your mixed CD. I, I would love to support you by giving you $200. But you're not my friend. You're just a toxic symptom of my need to be uh, <laughs> liked by a stranger. And the thing is, this, pa this most recent instance of this, I recognized what was happening and was able to extricate myself. And that felt good. That felt like fucking growth. And, you know, being able to say goodbye to this manic pixie type person and kind of before she could ask me for my Instagram handle and Venmo, I was like, I got to go. This is bad. I got into a conversation and, a, and then an Uber with my actual friends. <laughs> and I was present for them. You know? I'm not saying that I have fixed everything. Acknowledgement doesn't fix it. Seeing your wound doesn't put Neosporin on it. That's not a Band-Aid. You know? There's other work to be done. And I think that, you know, this, with this Valentine's Day, like remembering that romantic love is nice. You know, who doesn't like to be penetrated uh, to fruition, you know? Self-love is great. You know, who doesn't want to be penetrated to fruition? by yourself um and self-love is very important romantic love is important if that's what you you know if something that's uh important to you in your, this point in your life sure but platonic love is something that i think doesn't get enough play because that's really the shit that sustains you like when through the rapid waters of life, right? Like this, they're the, that platonic love is a shit that actually sustains and helps you endure. You know, that's like, especially if you come from a um, less than ideal family situation, Because it's also one of the most altruistic things and generous and kind things you can do in your life is to give platonic love. Because everything else, there's kind of like a thing that you receive, right? Like romantic love, there's, you know, the, there's orgasms and, um, you know, I think that's it. I mean, you know, or there's like sometimes it's like security, safety, assets, you know, self-love, very important, I would say. Actually, it's the most important. Tied with platonic love. Because the thing that you gain from it is a, a legacy and a version of your life that isn't isn't just about your what you do, your career, what you have. 
right? A friend, a friend will help you bury the body of the romantic partner you've had to murder. You know what I mean? Like a friend will help you figure out an alibi. And that's just a fucking bitch that stands with you with nothing else. You know, like that's, that's a rich life. Because at the end of the day, like, what are you really receiving from each other outside of that love? That time. You know? And when you look around, like, if you can't give yourself love, if you haven't been able to receive or find someone that the romantic love and then filial love, like that's just not, you know, it's imperfect, right? So often, the love from your family. But you could figure out a version of the love that is works. I mean, if your friend is willing to work it out with you and you find it, I mean... You know, my ideal love and, like, when I think about being 80 and decrepit and hunched over and a nasty harmony, like, that just, you know, looks like a, a, a raisin in a, va- in a visor. My ideal at that age is to live in a house, like a tiny little treehouse type thing, with a friend, you know? That's my, that's like, you know, that would be great. And then just have side pieces, you know? I get fucked up every once in a while, fuck myself, and then just watch good TV and live in a tidy house with my friend. You know, and, and, and talk shit. And talk nice. And be supportive to each other. Like, that's... That's actually the dream, I think. You know? That's sort of really what I wanted to, this was an ode to friendship. And I think, um, you know, this podcast itself is actually an ode to friendship as well. You know, you guys listen in because that's what's happening. You know, between myself and Peter, this is love, this is friendship. And we're trying to figure it out. I mean, I think that some of the parts about self-love that is embarrassing to me is ameliorated by that when I think about the idea that self-love will ultimately help me make, be a better friend as well. And I think that is maybe the like virtuous cycle that I'm trying to get to, right? If I can love myself better, then I can be a better friend, then I can be a better 
eventually um, better partner, I guess. You know, I'd rather be a better mother and then I'll eventually be a better partner. Um, but yeah, this sort of, this was an ode to friendship. And on this uh, Valentine's Day week, as we, you know, see all these people fucking posting hearts and shit, posting these things about their partners, you know? For me, I was just like, I think that my true loves are my friends, you know? And, you know, my partner is, you know, I love, I love him. I don't have to work as hard with my friends. <laughs> but I will work harder. And I want to work harder. Because I'm going to give them the priority and the attention and the generosity of time and spirit that they deserve. That's a, my official fucking pledge on this pod today. And yeah, I think um, hopefully you guys, this was a quickie. You know, um, I'm going to go fill to the next one and say uh, for the next, I'll be right back with the next part of the podcast. I'll be right back. Okay. This week's disappointment. I was disappointed this week in the in in marketing, um, in advertising. You know, if you guys watch the Super Bowl, which I was forced to do because my son is a toxic male I was just shocked at how <laughs> there just seems to be this consensus that like no one wants to acknowledge that the pandemic occurred inside of advertising or they're leaning too hard in it and so many of the commercials this year during the Super Bowl I just couldn't couldn't believe that like this is what you've chosen to spend millions of dollars on, you know, it's just, you know, I don't watch terrestrial television often. And so I think it was just the amount of money being wasted, you know, because some of the ideas and some of the concepts of these commercials should have been shot down in that initial meeting, you know, like someone should have been brave enough, like the garlic girls, brave enough to stand up to their boss and been like, that doesn't make any sense. Someone should have been brave enough to, been, to, to have been like, hey, that's tone deaf. Someone should have stood up and been like, hey, that's not funny. Someone should have been brave enough to stand up and been like, again, that doesn't make any sense. You know? And these agencies are filled with cowards you know, who are willing to waste everyone's time. To people that made these commercials, to the people watching these commercials, to the people that spent the money to make these commercials. 
That was a disappointment, you know? Just like someone should just been brave enough in that room to say, no, this is stupid. I was also disappointed in myself um, this week insofar as my son did have to take home, take to school a Valentine's Day treat and Valentine's. And Unji Kim did not buy those things in time. I did not buy anything and forgot about it until the night before. And as a result, had to make everything by hand. So I had to make 26 Lego Star Wars Valentines by hand. I had to fucking figure that shit out. I had to scrounge, get some cards, mix and match, random stickers, random hearts, found some markers, had to buy some expensive ass cookies, and then wrap them individually. Because <sighs> you had to pass them out. And I created for myself almost four hours of crafting because I didn't fucking think ahead because I didn't realize until the target had closed I didn't realize you know and I didn't want to go to the gas station so I was disappointed in myself for not thinking ahead and therefore making it way harder for myself but this is also a humble brag because I did fucking kill it I showed up. These Valentines were amazing. This treat was fucking incredible. But again, I backed myself in a corner and I had to claw my way out. And that is what not being prepared, not thinking ahead, but being insane can do. Okay, you guys. Bye. Audio.